stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. In the debate around pipelines, uh, it often becomes a debate about oil tankers, right? That maybe the pipeline itself isn't so much a problem to opponents, but the fact that with Trans Mountain, or for that matter, I guess what would have been the case with Northern Gateway and Energy East, that it would involve pipelines to Tidewater and then putting that product onto oil tankers and the concern about tanker traffic or a possible spill. Uh, and certainly that was what more or less uh, signed the death warrant for the uh, Northern Gateway pipeline was the concern about tanker traffic. Now, Bill C-48, uh, the government's Oil Tanker Moratorium Act, is now being reviewed by a commons committee. That law would ban tankers from ports along BC's north coast, or certain tankers, and it all comes down to the size of the tanker, how much they're carrying, etc. But why there? Uh, Canada has a whole lot of coastline, and certainly there's a lot of tanker traffic coming in on certain coastlines. We're not exporting as much as we could or should, but we're certainly still importing a lot, especially on the east coast. So are we being a little selective here when it comes to our opposition to tanker traffic? Our next guest uh, thinks maybe we are. Martha Hall-Finley is president and CEO of the Canada West Foundation at an interesting op-ed this week in the Globe and Mail on Bill C-48. Martha, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Great to be back. Thanks. Uh, Well, we appreciate you making some time for us here. So uh, what what is the objective, as you understand it, then, of of Bill C-48? What are we trying to accomplish here? Well, c 48 C-48 is, the objective is to ban uh, certain uh, oil tanker traffic on the northwest, uh, along the northwest coast of British Columbia. But in your introduction, uh, and this is important, when you said that the the tanker traffic was one of the main reasons why Northern Gateway was, was killed, Northern Gateway was also killed in large measure because of the overall uh, upset of a pipeline um, I remember the Prime Minister famously saying the Great Bear Rainforest is no place for a pipeline. Um, there is an awful lot of concern about the oil sands generally. And part of the, 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 the concern that I have with the tanker ban is that it isn't just about banning tanker traffic. It isn't just about environmentalism along our coast. Um, it is about uh, the the oil sands generally, and that was the thrust of my arguments. And look, I'm as much of an environmentalist as anybody else. I've actually spent a great deal of time in the Great Lakes dealing with water issues. Um, So the key is to not say that environmental protection of the coast is not important. It is. But why is one part of one coastline deserving of a ban on tanker traffic and none of the other coasts around the country. So along the St. Lawrence River, where we have significant oil tanker traffic, oil coming in from Saudi Arabia and from Nigeria and Algeria, um, uh, you know, those those coasts are beautiful too. The coast of New Brunswick, where there's a, uh, an oil refinery, tanker traffic comes along there all the time. The coast of Newfoundland, we have offshore rigs. Uh, beautiful coastline. Yeah. So my, my, my point was, look, if, if we're going to be concerned about environmental uh, protection of coastlines, let's at least be honest about it, ramp up our spill response, spill containment, spill uh, remediation, cleanup, et cetera, for all of our coasts. And to the extent the federal government has said they're ponying up, they're going to, you know, an ocean protection plan, a billion and a half dollars, I think that's fantastic. 
What really worries me about the tanker ban, though, is its other effect, which in effect kills the opportunity for Western oil to get to the Pacific. It covers, you know, people were concerned about Kittermat, but this tanker ban would cover Prince Rupert as well. And so even if there was an, a thought of getting oil to Prince Rupert and addressing some of the other concerns about Northern Gateway, this would kill that. Well, and it was weird because, I mean, Kitimat had, had lobbied to be the, the destination city when, when Northern Gateway was in initial planning stages. And, and then at some point along the way, everyone decided, well, that would be crazy to have tankers going in and out of Kitimat. So uh, I'm not sure how it was a great idea at the start and then somewhere along the line became irresponsible. Well, it, it, it was the nature of the protests, the growing protests over the oil sands, the growing protests over pipelines. And we've often said, don't protest a pipeline, Right. Protest and and you shouldn't even be protesting the oil sands. The irony is that our, our, our GHG emission intensity per barrel is now actually lower than some of the oil that we import, right? The California heavy crude, some of the Venezuelan. So we're actually doing a really good job at cleaning up our own production of oil, which is mm. great. But the world is demanding oil. The word world will continue to demand uh, oil, consume oil for for at least several decades. Why is it that we jeopardize Canada's opportunity to actually capitalize on that? So it's not a pipeline that's of concern. It's not even, in the end, you know, let's let's be intellectually honest about how much damage a spill might do, where it might happen. You know, oil tankers are legislated to be at least double-hulled now. So, you know, all of the traffic that is already happening on the lower coast, the, the more southern coast of um, British Columbia, is is actually more likely to have accidents and spills than the oil tanker traffic that this tanker ban is set out to uh, to um, uh, that this ban is is set out to do. Right. Now, it may well be that in individual circumstances, maybe there's a certain part of a coastline where uh, it's very difficult to navigate, uh, the water's very shallow, and there'd be a lot of risk with, with tankers coming in and out of one specific part. So we can we can still make those determinations to say, look, for these reasons, X, Y, and Z, it doesn't make sense to have any kind of a port here. But, th- but this is a much more sweeping and, and blanket ban than that. This is absolutely much more sweeping and, and uh, than, it, than it needs to be. And you're absolutely right. And this is the challenge that we have because as soon as somebody says, well, this is selective environmentalism, we should at least be honest, we should deal with the, the environmental concerns, we get labeled as, you know, you don't care about the environment. And the opposite is true. The key here is that we should actually do what we need to do at the same time as recognize that marine traffic is critically important to Canada's overall economy, as we recognize in every other part of this country and along every other coastline. So to the extent that you have a, a, a certain species of whale that is um, in danger of, of uh, uh, in danger because of some traffic in the St. Lawrence, well, then we make efforts to make sure that the the traffic um, uh, is is rerouted or, or goes a slightly different way in order to help address that problem. That's all stuff that we should we can and should be doing. So to your point, you don't necessarily want the you know big dangerous boats in tiny little places, but that's not what was going to happen, and it certainly wouldn't happen in Prince Rupert. So um, this is selective environmentalism, and I just find that it's a it's a it's a, a backward way of 
uh, allowing the anti-oil sand lobby to get its way. Yeah. So th- this isn't really a law that we could make changes to. I mean, it seems like a law that we just really don't need in the first place. Is that fair to say? It's a, it's a law we shouldn't have in the first place. And if we had specific concerns about specific places, let's deal with that. But this is just a blanket, uh, in effect, ban on allowing Western oil to get to the, the Pacific Ocean. And that, I mean, that's just such a shame because we should be selling our oil to the world. The world is consuming it. If you don't like that, then protest consumption, protest world demand. But as long as we have world demand, Canada shouldn't be jeopardized um, nor should Canadian jobs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll leave it there, Martha Moore at uh, CWF.ca. That's the Canada West Foundation. And folks can find your piece uh, in the Globe and Mail this week. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, that is Martha Hall Finley. You might remember her as uh, a liberal MP. Uh, back in the day, but she is president and CEO of the Canada West Foundation, uh, based here in Calgary. Uh, so, great piece from her this week on the hypocrisy behind this Bill C forty eight. And I think she's right. I think this is not about coastlines. This is about certainly for those who advocate for this, about stopping pipelines. It becomes an excuse to not build a pipeline. That's what it's about. But as she writes this week, she says, why? Ban on specific tanker traffic along a specific section of Canada's west coast when there are no similar bans on any traffic along any other Canadian coastline. What differentiates the northern west coast from any other Canadian shores? For example, both the north and south sides of the entire St. Lawrence River where tankers travel regularly to bring oil from Saudi Arabia, Algeria, and Nigeria. Is it because that oil means important jobs for refinery workers in Montreal, Sarnia, and Quebec City? What about the coast of New Brunswick, along which oil tankers travel regularly to deliver oil from Saudi Arabia, about $1.6 billion last year, to the Irving Oil Refinery? Ah, yes, much-needed jobs in New Brunswick. Or how about the ruggedly beautiful coast of Newfoundland with significant oil rigs operating offshore? Of course, they've meant the difference between poverty and prosperity for many Newfoundlanders. Consider Vancouver as a bustling city, but why is it any less deserving of environmental protection than any other part of the coastline? There's wildlife, there are residents, there are tourism, all of which would be affected by a spill. Except the city of Vancouver would not exist as it is without being a major port. As for Vancouver Island, all of the gas, oil, and other fuels used by the people there get there by barge. The northern west coast is beautiful and pristine, but it does not have a monopoly on either of those qualities. So yeah, it doesn't make sense, does it? Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.